want to introduce to you a great friend, awesome Pastor Rusty Rayleigh. He's bringing us the word this morning. Make him feel welcome today. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be back in Texas. Amen. I want to talk to you for just a few moments out of Mark 8, but uh, I believe that we live in the greatest time in history. I just believe that we live in such an amazing time, and, and I, I still believe that there are many things inside of God's heart that are still supposed to be done. Amen. I just believe that. Do you know in the Bible, Jesus declared things, right? How many know that? How many you got enough knowledge to you know that Jesus declared things in the Bible? But he didn't declare things as theories when he declared things. He, he actually declared them as prophecy, and he actually intends for them to happen before he returns. Amen. Sometimes I think we read scriptures in the Bible and, and people will argue over them and debate them and they'll say, well, that was for then and that's for... But when Jesus spoke things, he meant them to happen before he returns. For example, when Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. I, I sign a lot of my letters possessed with a promise. This is one of my promises that I'm possessed with because Jesus just didn't say that to throw out an idea. Jesus didn't say greater things that you're going to do than I did just to make you feel better about yourself. Jesus actually said this so that it would happen before he returns. He was prophesying at that moment about the destiny of humanity and that there would be a generation which I believe with all my heart, this is that generation. I believe we're knocking on the door of the second coming. I just believe that. I'm not a gloom and doom person. I grew up in the church and I remember sitting on the pews when I was little here in hellfire and brimstone and that you better get saved right now because Jesus is going to come back right now. And I'd get saved every night. My dad would give the altar call, and before he'd get done, I knew where he was going. I would be at the altar. But I do believe with all my heart, because of the signs of the times and the, the world that we live in, I believe we're knocking on the door. But there's good news, I, because I tell my congregation all the time, the worse it gets out there, the bigger he gets. The worse it gets. I tell them, don't be discouraged this year if the economy flips you upside down. Actually stand and dance a little bit, because that means he's going to do something even greater. I just believe that greater things. And you say, well, why do you believe that? Because let me give you this thought, and then we're going to get to Mark 8. At my church, I, I sit on a stool, and I have people that want to put a seatbelt on the stool for me, because I tell them I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal with seatbelt. So, and then they don't like my rabbit trails, so, so I'll, I go away from them so I can get rabbit trails. So I'm going to give you some rabbit trails. Is that okay? In fact, I had someone email me and say, Pastor, that's the only reason I come to your church is your rabbit trails. I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or a, a never mind. But let me give you this thought. I have found in scripture that God manifests himself in the opposite of surroundings. That God manifests himself in the opposite of his surroundings. Now, have you ever noticed that the media likes to bombard us? You ever notice that with information? And, and actually, most of the information they give us is negative. And I'm not anti-watching TV. I'm not anti-the media. If you're in the media today, God bless you. You know, but they bombard us with negativity. And, and most of it is trying to, I believe, undermine our values. My opinion. In fact, a lot of times they bombard us with such negativity that they, they're trying to actually, I believe, impress us with the severity of the problems. Anybody ever feel that way? It's almost like they want to impress you with the severity of the problem of this world. Now, I'm not saying we should ignore that. I'm not saying we should run to a cave and not pay attention. But I got good news that Jesus doesn't live that way. He doesn't live under the influence of the accomplishments of darkness. So you can understand something. See, because the media makes you feel like, oh, man, where is God in all this mess? Has he gone to sleep? Is he? No, Jesus doesn't live under the influence of the accomplishments of darkness. He actually lives as an answer. 
He actually lives as the solution. Even in the Old Testament, in Exodus, where Israel left Egypt, they'd build the Ark of the Covenant, and wherever they would go, they would uproot, and they'd move, and, and different things like that. And I love that portion of Scripture that says that they would move wherever the cloud went. In my Bible, I highlight that, and I say, that's a good idea. For 2014, wherever the cloud goes, you should go. You say, well, Rusty, why should I follow where God goes? Because the Bible promises that wherever he goes, that's where his provision is. But I'm convinced, and through Scripture, I find that he manifests himself in the opposite of the spirit of the day. For example, when the Israelites were in the baking hot sun, he came as a cloud. And at night when they were in the freezing temperatures of the desert, I've been in the desert in the Middle East and different places like that, it gets cold. When it was cold, he came as fire. When it was hot, he came as a cloud. I got good news today. Whatever you're facing already in 2014, if you'll just step out and be who God wants you to be, he's going to manifest in the opposite of the moment that you're in. If you're in lack today, hey, jump up and down and say, I thank God because he's going to manifest with provision. If you're walking in sickness, oh, we serve a God that is Jehovah Rapha. The Bible says he is healing. He doesn't have healing. He is healing. And, and he manifests in the opposite of his surroundings. I love this because I, I love to study history. I love to spend time and, and read about God's generals and people that went before us because I just believe that there's something in them that we can learn from. And I remember in 1929, and Amy Simple McPherson, anybody heard of her before? I mean, out there in the day and age where women in ministry, I mean, it was just crazy. And they were in the Great Depression, and she built this massive auditorium, auditorium when everybody said, you're crazy. That auditorium still stands today. When everybody said no, she said, my God will manifest opposite of my surroundings. I was thinking early this morning about David and Goliath. I, every time I read that story, I remember in children's church with the flannel graph back in the day before we had cool technology, I would get in trouble because I would turn the flannel graph upside down. And then I got kicked out one time because I put a tack under my teacher's seat. These, these are all kinds of things that I work through. I see a counselor for things like this, and don't worry, my people think I'm crazy too. So, but I, when I was thinking about David and Goliath, and I was thinking about how God has called us and not to run and hide in 2014. The, the enemy in our world and the world that we live in is trying to make the church hide. It's trying to make the church cower down. It's trying to make preachers, ministers, gospel leaders, people not to say certain things because you might get sued or you might get, I mean, there's all kinds of things that are coming against the agendas. And this is not the season for the church to run and hide. Amen. This is actually the opposite where the, the church should actually run towards the adversary. I was thinking about this and um, when I was thinking early this morning about David and Goliath and I always go back to my childhood roots with that story and, and I love it because when David killed Goliath, anybody remember that story? And he, the Bible says he picked up five stones. Anybody remember that? But remember he picked up five stones? You ever wonder why he picked up five? Well, let me tell you, most historians believe it's because Goliath had four brothers. He wasn't planning on missing. And the Bible says that he ran towards Goliath. And, and I wrote this down and I taught this on a, in a leadership session. I forget where, but I said, if you want to kill giants, follow giant killers. In 2014, if you want to kill giants, my encouragement to you, follow giant killers. You've got a staff of giant killers. I would get behind them and I would run. If they say, hey, we're running into this realm, we're following them. And you say, well, where do you get that from? Let me give you an example. Do you know the Bible records that there were four other giants killed? Now, I know there was probably more, but the Bible records in the Old Testament there was four other giants killed. Do you know whom they were killed by? They were killed by four different men. All of those men were David's mighty men. You want to kill giants in 2014? Follow a giant killer. You want to see the manifest presence of God show up in your life like never before? You want to get to a place where signs and wonders become normal in your life? Go to that place where that is in an environment and you follow them until they follow you. 
But I believe that in 2014, God's calling the church to face adversity. Now, here's what I mean by that. Because some of you think, well, I, I'm not signing that. 2013 was bad. I ain't signing up for this. No, here's what I mean by that. I believe that God's trying to raise up the body once again, that no matter what's happening in our area, no matter if it's a plague or it's a financial problem, that God wants to manifest strong once again. I just believe that. And he can't do that when people are running backwards. You ever notice when you study the armor of God? Here, because I'm on my little rabbit trails. You ever notice when you study the armor of God, there's no armor for the, you know, what do you guys call it here? Derriere? I, I don't know. Everywhere I go, if I say but, some people send me emails. So you ever notice there's no armor for the derriere? You know why? Because God never intended you for to run. He never intended you to retreat. There's no armor there. You ever gone to the hospital? (laughs) Okay, keep going. I believe. (laughs) You're never going to want me back. I know. I... (laughs) I'm going to get back. I'm tired. I told him last night, I said, I've been going at this a long time, but, but I got a word. I want to get to Mark 8 because I believe that there's going to be some transformation today, all right? I just believe that. I believe, just listen up. We're going to get there. I promise, and I'm going to get you out of here in time to, I don't even know who's playing today, but we'll get you there. But I believe that God wants to manifest strong once again. I just sense that in my spirit. I'll give you a quick little story. I took over a little church, and, and now it's exploded. We got, we're going to multiple campuses. But I was telling pastor, I said, man, I went through a year that I didn't think I was going to make it. I faced every demonic force. I faced the demonic spirit of Jezebel, controlling entities that wanted to rise up. And I didn't even know what day it was. It was so bad for one year. But I held in there because I kept hearing the voice of God. And I'm going to tell you something. It's like heaven has opened up above us. We're seeing signs and wonders. See, I still believe greater things shall we do. I still believe he said these signs shall follow those that believe. I'm sorry you might not believe that, but I am just crazy enough to believe. That's still for today. I'm not a cessationist. I don't subscribe that it went away in the book of Acts. I believe it's still today, and I believe he wouldn't have said it if he didn't want us to do it. I'm so excited. Last Friday night, I was in a meeting, and I I raced to the hospital for one of our parishioners. She was found face down and had a massive stroke in the back by her brainstem. Now, if you're in the medical field, that's the worst place to have one. She could not even breathe. She had no reptilian uh, reflexes, the very first ones you get. She wouldn't even move her toe when you pulled it. They said to her, you're going to have to make a decision. They told her husband because she's completely brain dead. Her brain's not even telling her lungs to move. I looked at her husband who years ago got hurt by the church. There's something about the church. We're the only organization that shoots our own wounded. I don't understand that, but, but we're getting better. I looked at him. I said, what can I do for you? Do you want me to pray that she go home? Or do you want us to pray that, she, that God will turn this around? He's looked at me, and I could tell he didn't really care too much for the God thing. But he said, do whatever you can to make her come back. And I said, okay. I got crazy faith. What do I got to lose? Think about it. It isn't about my reputation. It's about the king's reputation. So what do I got to lose? When you step out and pray for somebody at the grocery store, you ain't got nothing to lose. It ain't on you anyway. When you get on the phone this week and call those five people, it ain't on you. It's on the king. It's on his reputation. Step out and just be an ambassador and just step out and be who he wants you to be. So I just sat there for an hour and I prayed. I just held her hand. Nothing moved. And I prayed for an hour, just speaking life, cursing death, calling that mind to come back. And when I left, I'll be honest with you, nothing happened. But see, I'm not moved by what I see. So on Wednesday night, I'm teaching before I get ready to leave to go on a trip. And the family that was with me came up and said, Pastor, know, did you hear? I said, hear what? And I'm thinking, here's my flesh. I'm thinking she didn't make it. That's, I'm just being honest with you. I'm not thinking, oh, well, praise God. You know, I'm just being honest with you. And he looks at me and he says, you won't believe this. She's actually up walking and talking. If we believe that God's going to manifest once again strongly, we've got to change the way we think. Yes. 
we have got to change the way we think. Now, go with me in Mark chapter 8. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you reason that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember, verse 19 says, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, 12. Verse 20 says, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? Now, this story takes place after Jesus twice multiplied food for large crowds. He multiplied food for the 4,000, then he multiplied food for the 5,000, and the disciples, what you got to understand, they were a part of that whole experience both times, and they had just got finished feeding with the 4,000 when Jesus got into the boat with them. He turned to them, and he's about ready to teach, I mean, a deep, revelatory, like, just thought to them. And he says, be careful of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of Pharisees. The disciples are good church folk. They heard food. Come on, you know I'm talking to y'all. Don't be that spiritual. The minute I talked about food, you already thought what you had in your crock pot at home. But the disciples did the craziest thing, but it's, I put myself in their shoes. I would have done it too. He's talking about leaven, and I'm thinking, where's the sandwich? <laughs> it's probably noon, you know? But what he's trying to get across to them is a spiritual lesson. And here's the lesson. Because again, if we're going to see the manifest presence of God do what he wants to do in 2014, we got to change our thinking. And so here he's saying, leaven, if you want to write this thought down, this is what he's saying. Leaven actually equals influence on the mind is what he's teaching. The leaven he's talking about is talking about influence on the mind. Influence on the way we see life. He's saying, be careful of Herod's way of thinking. Be careful of the Pharisees' way of thinking. He's trying to warn them about the ways of life, but they're afraid that they don't have enough bologna for lunch. Jesus responds by saying, in effect, I wasn't talking about lunch. If I were talking about lunch, he says in verse 19, when I broke the five loaves, I just read that. When I broke the four, how many baskets? And he goes on and on and on. And he says, do you not yet understand? He says, let's start at the end first, is what Jesus is saying. He says, hey, when I broke those loaves... How many baskets were left? They're thinking, we don't have bread in the boat. He's trying to teach. We're only thinking about lunch. And Jesus goes, oh, let's just go there then. You want to talk about food? Let's go there. He says, when I did that, how many were left? Well, they said, well, duh, we were there. There was seven. Well, when I did this, how many were left? Well, Jesus, duh, we were there. There's 12. He's trying to get them to understand, my kingdom works differently than this one. He's trying to teach his disciples how to see. In 2014, I'm convinced if you want to see what everything God has for you, you've got to change the way you think, which will change the way you see the life that you're in. So he first starts by the conversation. He says, hey, be careful of the leaven of Herod. What was he talking about, and why was he picking on Herod? Well, when you do the research and you're just trying to study who he's talking about, he's talking about Herod, the Herod that led a humanistic movement. He's telling his disciples, hey, listen, my kingdom works this way, but you got to be careful not to think like the Herod's way of thinking. And and Herod led this man-centered movement. When you study the life of Herod, he was very humanistic in his approach. It was all about man, man man-centered lifestyle. See, understand something about humanism. Humanism doesn't mind if we believe in God. Humanism doesn't even mind if you go to church. 
Humanism doesn't want you to bring your God into their daily affairs. Humanism doesn't mind if we stand and worship God in this building and we read the Bible. Humanism doesn't mind that. It minds, though, when we try to add our God to how we run our government. Humanism gets upset when we try to add our God and how we educate our children. Amen? But humanism's okay with us staying in these four walls. And here Jesus is saying, oh, guys, be careful with the way of that thinking. Then he says, be careful with the leaven of the Pharisees. That's the religious mindset. Now, what's unique about this is the religious mindset actually has God at the center. Oh, the Pharisees, Sadducees in the Bible, they all were about God. It was all, they lived their life for God. God was at the center of their life, but he was powerless and he was not relational. He was powerless. He was phony to them. It was all about rules. And he's telling these guys, hey, be careful. Don't fall for the fake. Don't fall for the phony. He said, for the, and don't, especially don't fall for the thing with no power. Don't fall for the lifestyle where man is actually the center of life. And don't fall for all these deceptions. And the disciples, as he's teaching this principle, respond to him by saying, but Jesus, we don't got no bread. You see the funny part of that? And then he says the most, I believe, convicting questions in all the Bible. I go back to this verse all the time. Verse 17, most convicting, in my opinion, verse in the Bible. He asks them this question, verse 17. Why do you reason that you have no bread? Let me use it in a different way. Why do you reflect on the fact that you have no bread? You see, Jesus here, he takes them through this whole multiplying experience. And then he gets them into this boat. And they had just got done seeing God do a, I mean, which to me, it's cool to turn water into wine. That's awesome. But you start multiplying five loaves and two fishes. I mean, five fishes and two loaves, whichever one it is. You know what I'm saying? Regardless, you'd start doing that, dude. You could start a restaurant. <laughs> Think about that. And they just keep handing it out. Now, now remember, the Bible days, they only counted men. I, bad. I know women, that was bad. They only counted men. Okay? So he fed like 20,000 at one time with a dude's lunch. How many would like to do that with your grocery bill? Anybody? We'll, we'll, we'll pray multiplication. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, uh, so he takes them through this, and they're afraid they don't have enough lunch. Now, I want you to notice this. Before they experience Jesus multiplying the food, we can't find in Scripture anywhere that Jesus corrected them for their way of thinking. Before he multiplied the food, he doesn't correct them for their way of thinking. After they experience the multiplying, he then gets a little frustrated. He then gets a little adamant about saying, hey, 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 boys, your, your thinking is wrong. How you see things. He, and you say, well, but why, why, why does he get upset? Because let's, let's rephrase it this way. Instead of saying, why do you reason you have to bread? Let's, let's use it in our language. Why does your every thought begin with what you don't have? Amen. Why does every thought come to you in 2014 as if you don't have something? Here's what Jesus was trying to get them to see, because he didn't correct them before, but now they just experienced the mighty hand of God. They're in the boat, and they say, but Jesus, we don't got no bread. And he says, why do you reason? Why do you start every conversation with what you don't have? You might say, well, Rusty, but what, what else am I supposed to say? Here's why he's trying to change your thinking. The reason is, is because when you, st you're not supposed to start every thought process with what you don't have, because why? Jesus has proven what you don't have doesn't count. Jesus has already proven in your life, I guarantee you, he's already proven it in your life, that what you don't have does not move the hand of God. What you don't have does not stop the hand of God. And what you don't have does not influence the way he works. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have seen the, a miracle of God providing for you? Let me see your hand. 
just like me, how many trouble came after it? And then how many, a second time that you needed a miracle from God, your mind was probably riddled like mine with fear of, oh gosh, what am I going to do? Anybody with me? This is the same principle that he's sitting here talking to the boys about. He's saying, you guys just saw me do something unimaginable. He's saying, nobody in history will ever do that again. And yet you get in a boat and you worry about a loaf of bread. Listen to me, in 2014, we got to start talking. I've told my church, you'll change your life, you change your vocabulary. You'll change your life. You change. When something happens, like David, we run to it, not away from it. Why? Because we know that our God wants to manifest himself strong in 2014, and he has to do it through a vessel, but he can't do it through a vessel retreating. Why do you start every conversation or every thought process with what you don't have? In 2014, if you want to be a victor, you need to stop starting conversations with what you don't have because understand what you don't have doesn't matter. I work with people, I'll tell you, you never hear me, you'll never hear me say, and from the pulpit, from the church, we never say, I can't afford that. I'll never say it. You say, well, pastor, that's not real. No, that is real. Because when I say, I can't afford that, or if I say our church can't afford that, I'm telling God he doesn't have the supply. I refuse, because I realize that my words give birth. See, understand something, destiny is not ahead of you, destiny is actually within you. And destiny is, I call it faith activated. And how does faith work? What is he trying to tell us? He's trying to get you to realize that your history, the history that you have with God, of all the supernatural interventions, how many of you can remember every supernatural intervention of God? Anybody? You can remember, you can remember every time God did something for you. Anybody got that? How many in 2013 God miraculously did something for you? Let me see your hand. Isn't that awesome? You know what that's for? Miracles, the miraculous, isn't to come to your life so that you go, wow, that was cool. <laughs> Do it again, God. He's not a vending machine, and he does, he's not a carnival worker either, okay? So, but m some people think that miracles are just to wow us. No, no. Miracles are supposed to be the lenses that we look at life through. The miracles that God did for you in 2013 are supposed to be the lenses now that you look at 2014. That's, right. That's what he's saying to his guys. He's telling his guys on the boat, you're missing. I'm here teaching you about leaven, which, by the way, side note, I, I teach this leadership principle all the time. No matter the size of your loaf, leaven wins. And that was worth the ride. No matter the size of the loaf of your life, leaven wins. That's why he was warning his fellas, guys, be careful of the leaven. Leaven gets into a loaf, it'll, it'll just take over the whole thing. Little leaven, the Bible says. Just a little. And he's saying, guys, I'm, I'm warning you, just a little way of thinking of humanism or just a little way of thinking that, that it's okay to, you know, to have a powerless gospel, just a little bit will cause you to view and see things completely different. He's saying, guys, wake up. The miraculous are tutors. They are for you so that you can start looking at life differently. You can think differently. I tell people all the time, when a miracle takes place, that is God trying to get you to have the mind of Christ. Miracles should be the norm, not the abnormal. Instead of looking this year and saying, but you don't understand, Rusty, I'm already facing a doctor's report. I'm already facing a jobless area in my life. Instead of looking at it as an impossible task, now we begin to view it as God would view it, and, and we view it as an opportunity for God to show himself strong. Amen. Let me ask you this question, and this is how my mind works. Do you think when the disciples came to Jesus, and he's looking at 20,000 people, and they said, oh, we ain't got lunch. What do we do? Do you think Jesus was like, oh, God. <laughs> no, Jesus was confident why he knew because he saw the way God saw 
and he knew it was just one opportunity for God to show up. Listen to me, every situation you'll face in 2014 is not a situation, it's an opportunity for God to show up. Every, I'm telling you, every time you get something unexpected that you go, wow, that almost knocked the wind out of me. Don't let it knock the wind out of you. Look right back at it, and I tell my congregation this all the time. Quit talking to people about your problems and start telling your problems about how big your God is. I talk to my problems. I call them challenges. And I tell them, I said, oh, you shouldn't have showed up today. I said, oh, man, you should. My, I, my wife's pregnant with our second one, and, um, and uh, we were, uh, I, was, I was in Illinois with her, and we got a phone call from the doctor. Now, whenever you get a call from the doctor, that's how many know what I'm talking about. And I could hear her voice tones change. And she started to say something. I said, nope, 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 nope. And I said that, I said, because I was headed to preach. And I said, oh, he picked the wrong day. I was two snaps and a swirl, and he was picking the wrong person to mess with. (laughs) I did. I went in there, and we saw like 300 people get saved. I I was like, you picked the wrong day to mess and I said, hon, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to begin to declare to that baby on the inside. Because they, they, they told us that the baby was 90% a certain way. And I said, no. I said, no way. I said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I said, I am more than a conqueror. I said, I, I walk by faith and not by sight. I stood and I declared. And I said, I'm not going to receive that. Why? You say, well, well that, that's, why would you? I said, because I've seen the hand of God in 2013. I saw him do miracles in 2012. And I look at 2014 with the lenses of who he was and what he will continue to be. I'm not impressed by darkness. I'm not impressed by wickedness. I'm impressed by Almighty God, the King, Yahweh. I'm impressed by him. <laughs> you know why I do this? And you know why I can stand and face things and... Um, it's not because I'm happy, because happiness comes on happenings. And God doesn't want us to be happy. He gives us joy. Amen. See, if you're a happy person, you're going to be a roller coaster person. And those aren't no fun to hang out with. How many know what I'm talking about? You always, you're like, are you happy today? Are you not happy today? Are you happy today? If you're not happy today, I'm going over here. <laughs> but the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know what the enemy wants to steal from you? Your strength. Because if he gets your strength, he's got your joy. And I refuse to let him take my strength in 2014. And so I'm going to be joyful. I don't care what happened. You know, I got pulled over on the way here. For doing seven over. I was like, really? State trooper. He said, sit by the car, Mr. Rayleigh. Oh, you got it, brother. He said, you have guns and knives? I said, yes, I have a concealed carry. He said, sit by the car. I go, you got it. I step out the car like this. I ain't getting no happy, you know what I'm saying? But I told him what I did. And all of a sudden, he's like, what do, you, what do you do? And I just started talking to him about Jesus. I said, man, it's been the greatest year so far. And he started saying, would you, at the end of the conversation, he said, would you pray for me? And I said, only if you don't give me a ticket. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I, I, I did, I would, now that would have been bad. I did not. I actually apologize. I broke the law, Romans 13. I'm under the law, you know, as far as obey the government. I did wrong. I was seven over even. And then he reminded me, well, you have a radar detector. That means you speed all the time. I was like, you see it, you think? Uh, So, you know, he didn't give me one, but we talked about Jesus and I talked about the church and he works in this region and I invited him to church. So if he's here today, I'm leaving on a different road. And so... uh, I have learned, this is when you start to see things like God wants you to see them, and you start to have that mindset of Christ, and you begin to look back. Remember David rehearsed his victories for the Lord? You know why he did that? I thought you were coming to get saved already. That's just right here. <laughs> just, oh, okay, let's pray. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Um, see, I, I, I preach. I have ADD preaching, so if you start moving on me, I'll just start talking to you. So, 
And I really don't have ADD. They didn't have that when I was growing up. They just had the belt. And that... Uh... <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Standing ovation on capital punishment. Okay, so I have learned 2014. God sometimes doesn't want to do something for us, but he wants to do something through us. Here's what I mean by that. Try this. Instead of... Asking God, oh God, I'm in the middle of a storm. Would you calm the storm? Why not get the word in your mouth and the heartbeat of God? Stand up in your own boat and declare to that storm in the name of Jesus. You see, there's a level of maturity in the Lord that starts to take place when you realize that God actually doesn't work for you, that he actually is designed to work through you. And you will grow exponentially when you take to your prayer life in 2014. And I challenge you, when you're praying for your friends, it's like that, begin to declare, call them in from the north, south, east, and west. Right. Declare that the strong man be bound and loose what belongs to God. 